Naomi, a girl twenty years younger than the abandoned wife, and had got little thanks for his concern. Just because you're not any kind of a normal man at all, it doesn't mean that the rest of us have to take a vow of celibacy, Eddie had said, laughing into his face. Brian Flynn felt a great weariness. He thought that he was, in fact, a normal man. Of course he had desired women, but he had made a bargain. The rules, at the moment, said if he were to be a priest, then there must be no marriage, no children, no good, normal family life. Father Flynn always told himself that this was a rule that would one day change. Not even the Vatican could stand by and watch so many people leave the ministry over a rule that was made by man and not by God. When Jesus was alive, all the apostles were married men. The goalposts were moved much later. And then all the scandals in the church were surely making the slow-moving conservative cardinals realize that in the 21st century some adaptations must be made. People did not automatically respect the church and churchmen anymore. Far from it. There were hardly any vocations to the priesthood nowadays. Brian Flynn and James O'Connor had been the only two ordinations in the diocese eight years back and James O'Connor had left the church because he had been outraged by the way an older, abusive priest had been protected and allowed to escape either treatment or punishment by a cover-up. Brian Flynn was hanging in there, but only just. His mother had forgotten who he was, his brother despised him, and now his sister was making a trip from London to visit this cracked pagan well and wondering... Would it work better if she came on the saint's feast day? Father Flynn's parish priest was a gentle, elderly man, Canon Cassidy, who always praised the young curate for his hard work. I'll stay on here as long as I can, Brian. Then you'll be considered old enough, and they'll give you the parish, Canon Cassidy often said. He meant very well and was anxious to spare Father Flynn from the indignity of having some arrogant and difficult parish priest brought in over the curate's head. But at times Brian Flynn wondered if it would be better to let nature take its course, to hasten Canon Cassidy to a home for the elderly religious, to get someone, almost anyone, to help with the parish duties. Admittedly, attendance at church had died off a great deal since he was a young man, but people still had to be baptized, given First Communion, have their confessions heard. They needed to be married and buried. And sometimes, like in the summer, when a Polish priest came along to help him, Brian Flynn used to think he might manage better alone. The Polish priest last year spent weeks making garlands for St. Anne and her well. Not long ago he had been at the junior school at St. Eta's, and asked if any of the pupils wanted to become nuns when they grew up. Not an unreasonable question to ask little girls in a Catholic school. They were mystified. No one seemed to know what he meant. Then one of them got it. You mean like the movie Sister Act? Father Flynn felt that the world was definitely tilting. Sometimes when he woke in the morning, the day stretched ahead of him, confused and bewildering. Still, he had to get on with things, so he would have his shower and try to pat down his red hair, which always stood in spikes around his head. 
Then he would make a cup of milky tea and a slice of toast and honey for Canon Cassidy. The old man always thanked him so gratefully that Father Flynn felt well rewarded. He would open the curtains, plump up the pillows, and make some cheerful comment about how the world looked outside. Then he would go to the church and say a daily mass for an ever-decreasing number of the faithful. He would go to his mother's house, heart in his mouth, about how he would find her. Invariably she would be sitting at her kitchen table, looking lost and without purpose. He would explain, as he always did, that he was her son, a priest in the parish, and he would make her a breakfast of porridge and a boiled egg. Then he would walk down Castle Street with a heavy heart to Skunk Slattery's newsagents, where he would buy two newspapers, one for the canon and one for himself. This usually involved some kind of intellectual argument.